Welcome back to another episode of Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm Randy Wayhofer, Vice President and Assistant General Manager, and I'll be your host today. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, Unwritten Rules is uh, a behind-the-scenes look at the people and the activities of Principal Park. We're not going to talk about who the best players are or what the big league team's record is going to be. This is uh, meant to be a fun look behind the scenes of uh, life in minor league baseball and, and all the good times that we have as part of that. Uh, one of our most popular episodes from season one was with our Vice President of Stadium Operations, Jeff Tilley. So we're back for round two with Jeff and he's brought along uh, some of his team uh, to talk about how we're going to get the stadium ready uh, for opening day and then also to uh, reflect a little bit on, on 2021 and uh, some of the other things besides baseball games that we had here at Principal Park. So uh, we'll welcome in and introduce everybody. First, welcome back to Jeff. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, if you've missed season one's episode with Jeff, where we talk a lot about skunks and rodents and things, make sure you check it out. Uh, you're probably more famous than ever. You were already pretty famous from being the t-shirt gun guy, but after that podcast episode hit last year, you probably doubled your social media following, I'm guessing. Yeah, everybody uh, looks at me like a, a skunk master now or something. <laughs> you know, at least to have one of those guys, Phil Horn. I think we talked about him last time. But yeah, we actually caught a raccoon this morning. <laughs> Ryan, who was just up here, uh, had a raccoon that we caught. I think it was uh, right down there in front of our shop. So we got to go let him go after this and drive him down south someplace and let him go up next to the timber somewhere. And, and that'll be, you'll be free to a new home. Well, it's one less thing I might find falling through the ceiling in my office. So yeah, thank you very much yeah. for that. Andrew Quillen is also uh, joining us. How many years now uh, for UQ? I think this is going to be season eight for me, I believe. So started as an intern in 13 and came on in 14. And Josh Stevens, the newbie of the group. Uh, you've been around a while, though. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I interned uh, starting in... Intern starting in 2018, and then this will be, be my second full-time season. So we've got great experience uh, at the table, and we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. Let's start with um, talking about uh, what this time of year means and waking up the stadium from uh, uh, hibernation uh, of the winter. Cubby's not the only one that sleeps. So we try to put the, the ballpark to, to sleep a little bit. Uh, Jeff, let's start with you. What What is the hardest part of uh, waking up Principal Park from a winter's nap? Oh, there's there's always three things that we always talk about when we're worried about how the, the clock's running out of you know of time for us is is getting the stadium cleaned up, which we're not working on that because it's full of snow right now. Uh, the other thing is signs, which we started on yesterday actually, taking down that old Templeton Rice sign. We're going to work on that a little bit today as well. And then the third thing is plumbing, and it's too cold to start that just yet. But we'll start that in a few weeks. Uh, getting those three things done, I mean that's that's a pretty big challenge uh, to get the place you know. Uh, out of hibernation. I mean, it feels like we just put the thing to bed here not too long ago in my mind, and now we're bringing it right back out. It seems like we just did it to me, but uh, that, that's our biggest challenge is those three things. And once we get that done, everything else kind of falls into place. Now, everybody thinks about being outside in the summertime and how great Principal Park is, but when it's a uh, wind chill at 20 below Q, this is uh, uh, <laughs> in some tough conditions. The concourse is uh, a place that you don't want to camp out to for, for too long. Talk about uh, the things that you guys have to check on and think about on a regular basis uh, when it gets to those bitter cold temperatures in the dead of winter in, in central Iowa. Yeah, the, the concourse may be the coldest place in Iowa, it seems like, behind home plate uh, during this time of year that concrete really holds that cold air temp. You know, we uh, 
with the with the cold temperatures we actually just all kind of suffered together through uh, some uh, sprinkler system issues and, and ended up spending a fun night here overnight uh, working on that and, and clearing water out of the system after we had a, a fail so uh, the winter weather always seems to throw us a curveball and it's never when you expect it either you know Josh uh, as uh, the newest member full-time member of the staff uh, in your intern years and your part-time years, winter is kind of a new experience uh, for you. What, what have you learned about wintertime at Principal Park that uh, maybe working in the summer didn't uh, maybe surprised you a little bit? Uh, I would just say kind of going off with that fire system stuff and just stuff and calls and whatnot, it seems like every winter when it gets below and the negative temps, it seems like I always come down probably two or three times a year just because the cold and the steam just doesn't keep up. and. Spent a couple nights in the clubhouse just sleeping here. I mean, the, the new know. guy, too, he's uh, first on the list to get called, oh, too. Yeah. I had yep. to do that for many, many years, yeah. so I don't feel too bad for you having to be yeah. the first one called. <laughs> it's no fun. But yeah, yeah, it's no fun. I always get the McDonald's in the morning, though, after that nice little nap <laughs> yeah, on the couch in the clubhouse. Well, at least there's no tarp to be pulled in the in the winter time. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> maybe a tarp pull would be preferred to a full night's day. Uh, for for what's yeah. going on. I think the other hard part about this, Jeff, and this is where your experience comes in, is you have your list of things to do, but it's not like you know exactly when you get started with it. You know, Mother Nature is what uh, predicts when you can get started with plumbing and signs and, and all the things that you talked about. So what are the factors um, that you look for and, and what are the keys to feeling good about it's okay to go ahead and, and get started turning water on and doing some of the things that you talked about where uh, if we get a, a turn of bad weather one more time or winter has a, a last hurrah, you don't set yourself back another three weeks. What are the, what are the keys to victory for uh, opening up the stadium? Well, the first thing, like yesterday, we noticed that uh, that warning track out there was dry, so we decided we'd try to get a lift out there, and Slosser is okay with it. And actually, the we have a home plate net hopefully maybe going up today if these guys can and get their lift over that snow over there in kind of the right field corner. And they were going to try it, and Slosser would rather prefer that than have him, you know, mess with him when he gets the weather breaks for him as well. So uh, that's that's one thing. You know, plumbing-wise, I mean, you've you got to wait until the weather's going to let you do it. And, and some years, and we're, gosh, three weeks before the season starts is when we can do it. And some years we're forced into it, and then we have to heat everything. And that's kind of a time-consuming deal. And I don't like to do that too much. So hopefully, hopefully the weather will break. We can just start right March 1st and, and go from there. Uh, as far as the stadium, there's been a couple years where we had to wash hose snow out of the seats to get ready. I, I, we've had to do that several times, and there's sometimes we had the opening night snowed. Had to, we had a snow out one of those games, I think, uh, a few years back. Mm -hmm. Next day, you're hosing snow. That's a fun deal. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my intern year. We actually ended up having a couple snow out games in 13 there towards the end of April where, you know, we opened up, the weather was nice, and then all of a sudden it turned on us again and wasn't ready to give up, and we actually had to, a blizzard. I think uh, we have some pictures staying out on the party deck. We were getting ready all day, and at about 2 o'clock a blizzard hit, and you could hardly see downtown. It was snowing so hard. Well, that, was it 18, the year we had all the terrible weather, that we canceled opening day and played a doubleheader on a Friday for the first day of the 
of the season because it was going to be the warmest day of the weekend at like 38. Yeah, I think yeah that was right my first game yeah. as an intern. And I just remember getting <laughs> snowed out and then playing a doubleheader in like high 30s, low 40s. And it was funny seeing snow on the ground for opening day and then doing a doubleheader the day after. What I get myself into, yeah. what you're thinking there. <laughs> this is Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm Randy Wayhofer. I'm joined by Jeff Tilly, Andrew Quillen, and Josh, St- Josh Stevens from our stadium operations crew. We've talked about getting the stadium ready for the the summer, but let's go back to some uh, warmer times um, and the end of last season, which was a new challenge and a new opportunity, taking games right up until the end of September and then rolling into a couple of uh, special events with our, our concert and, and Nitro Circus. Uh, how, how did September baseball work for you guys? I think it actually helped us out, for us anyway, because it forced us into keeping the stadium hosed and cleaned, and, and so we're ready for all those events. And we're, a lot of times if you let the place sit for two weeks, it, it's a gosh, about a two- or three-day job to get the thing cleaned back up again because of all the dust and dirt that's flying around here, especially you know from the warning tracks where a lot of that comes from when they're always dragging the warning track or the infield and stuff creates a lot of dust. But um, So that actually helped us, I think. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it was unique for us. You know, we got – good weather there towards the end which kind of helped you know April's always seems like a a trade-off and so baseball in September was kind of a a unique transition for us obviously with everything else we dealt with last year too and then yeah like you said it just kind of transitioned nicely into those those bigger events that we had that were unique since my time here I've been here a while but we haven't had a a major event like that where we've taken down the wall and and the nets and everything Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I always thought working those events, too, with the weather being so nice in late September, it was always fun working those types of events outside of baseball as well. It's kind of fun to see what the ballpark can uh, kind of do other than baseball around here as well. Well, Q, let's go back to that and roll into Old Dominion uh, and the concert event a little bit. Uh, some of the behind-the-scenes things that I don't think people even noticed. Uh, you mentioned cutting holes in the walls. Uh, and taking taking things down, a lot of that was behind the stage, so people didn't even realize it when they came to the ballpark. But what are some of the special things for a concert uh, that you guys had to do to make the field accessible for that kind of production that's different than a baseball game? We've seen the time lapses in arenas, a hockey to, to basketball, and, and back and forth, but from baseball to a concert is pretty unique. Yeah, it was, you know, as you mentioned, the people that are coming to the event, most of them probably didn't realize that there was a hole in the wall, but as we were working on it out back and, and the trucks were backing in, it was fun to see people riding by on their bike or walking their dog and they, they turn and look to their left and all of a sudden they can see home plate from outside the stadium. So it's kind of fun to, to see people's reactions. We had a lot of people coming up and kind of peeking in and it's a, it's a different vantage point. But yeah, it, it was you know a really different event for us as far as just Everything that went into it, you know, like I said, you know, removing part of the, the batter's eye, the center field wall, and back in full semis in to, to unload. Uh, forklifts seemed like they were zooming back and forth everywhere, uh, you know, covering the field with flooring, and then, you know, removing the, the nets down the line, taking out parts of the wall so we have access for the concert goers to come down to uh, the stadium. And it, it all really kind of came together pretty quick. I was excited and nervous at the same time with it being my first uh, you know major field event like that um, so I think it, I think it went pretty smooth one of the things I remember watching from up top during Old Dominion was when it got dark 
trying to figure out how to light the concession stands in the in the corners. Who wants to tell me about how that went? Well, I mean, <laughs> so we have them in the corners on the foul poles here, and we everything looks good. It looks like everything's running smoothly and whatnot, but then it kind of gets a little dusk and gets a little dark, and all of a sudden you can't really see what's going on behind the concession stand for beers and whatnot, and we end up having to run lighting out there, and then we end up blowing a circuit and it was kind of a joke for yeah. until we got there i spent a good portion of that concert uh down in the pump room where the, the controls the fountain flipping breakers back on if these guys would trip it every two seconds yeah. you know and then they couldn't hear you on the radio because it's so loud out there we couldn't communicate so yeah josh was up there hanging lights the queue was down below stringing up stuff dustin's out there it was ryan it was we had a heck of a mess going but it we got it finished. Yeah, up we got finally. it figured out eventually. <laughs> o- oversight is an understatement, probably on that one. Uh, it was small little details. Sometimes, as soon as they hit you and you're in that situation, you you just wonder why didn't we think of that before we got here? You're worried about getting the big things done, and and something as little as that is realizing we have no overflow stadium lighting uh, because all the the lighting is focused out onto the stage was something that that we all looked at each other and just kind of shook our heads once it was over. One of the underappreciated parts of stadium operations is uh, your uh, moonlighting as security guards uh, <laughs> as part of your duties. And, and the concert brings a whole different kind of atmosphere to what we think about uh, from a baseball game and the, and the people watching. I remember uh, you and IQ going to check out a, a backpack that got left behind that all it had in it was a sweatshirt, but you got, you know, in this day and age that we live in, uh, we're, we're looking for the DMPD to help us. And we're, you know, we were the bomb squad there for about 45 seconds till we realized that it was, it was nothing. But uh, what was the, the people interaction like uh, at the concert compared to a baseball game? I think there was, of course, a lot of people had a lot to drink that night. That was the main problem, I think, is people overdoing it a bit and passing out and that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, we had a few calls, but there wasn't anything as far as security-wise. I don't remember us having any fights or anything crazy like that. It was more medical stuff. There were people overheating a little bit because they were drinking too much. And other than that, I don't, I don't remember any, any security issues that we had that night. But No, I think it was just kind of sorting out calls for, for medical and things like that. Obviously, it's a concert, so it's really loud. So you're trying to listen to your, your headset and and decipher where somebody is in a crowd and try to help lead the medics to where they need to go or or get people sorted into the the right ticketing area you know that was kind of the the biggest part of that that was unique for me compared to to an Iowa Cubs game you know you're dealing with the the noise volume at the same time as as you're trying to interact and and help people Uh, you know with an Iowa Cubs crowd you'll have volume but you don't have 30 foot tall speakers blaring in your ear as you're as you're trying to do it so that that's that's the biggest security uh difference for me anyway what'd you think of your first concert experience at principal park josh other than the lights i thought it was a very good show overall i thought all four acts were very good and it seemed like a lot of people were having a good time especially on the field uh all those vip areas kind of hanging out down there making sure people are in the right areas and whatnot i thought everyone had a pretty good time at least in a concert, you can listen while you're doing the other things and appreciate the music that, that's going on. Uh, my favorite part of the concert was when Blanco Brown explained that he had one point lost all his monies and uh, was going to rob a bank, but was grateful that he didn't and 
made an album so he could be here with all of us that night. That was that was my personal <laughs> favorite, choice for favorite part of the show. I wasn't very sure where he was going with that motivational speech in the middle of his uh, set that day, but that was uh, that was funny. But the Nitro Circus event was a whole different thing. All you hear there is revving engines and, and a lot of loudness. And then I'm not sure you guys saw very much of that show at all for the visual parts uh, of it. Uh, there's one specific thing that we'll get into in a second that happened during that. But what was the difference between the, the concert and Nitro? Obviously the setups were, were different. Was it really different for you guys or was it the things that you, from the concert able to kind of carry over to having the second event? A lot of that same stuff that we'd had uh, in place, uh, security fences out back and, and things of that nature were already there, so we didn't have as much to do for Nitro since it was a lot of that stuff was already done for the other event. The nets were down and that kind of thing. So uh, it was fairly easy for us to set that one up compared to the other one, I think. Yeah, we were dealing with the same promoter and same contacts, so it just kind of flowed one right into the other, which made it a little easier. And then obviously not having... Uh, the fans be on the field took an element out of it where a lot of that was removed and it was all handled by the Nitro Circus employees as far as their setup on the field. Um, our end of it on the field was just kind of the security and, and for the athletes and for the fans. And so the stuff that went on inside the stadium was a lot more what we're used to uh, and kind of a regular seating bowl. Yeah, more format. like a game. Yeah. Yeah. So everything was good until it wasn't. And, and you guys spent uh, a good portion of the Nitro Circus show behind closed doors. Uh, I'd say putting out a fire, but that's probably a bad pun for uh, what, what actually happened. Tell, tell our listening public what you were doing during Nitro Circus. First of all, we, we get the, the fire alarm goes off, and it's a, it's a uh, what do you call those? Some guy put a little fryer thing doing funnel cakes right underneath the sprinkler head. They didn't realize, and and uh, of course set that thing off, and and the whole system filled. So we've got to get that thing, you know, cleared out, and so we can put it back on. You know, and the fire department okayed everything and saw what it was. Okay, you got to get, get this thing back up to where it's ready to go. So that we spent the whole rest of the game emptying the fire system back back out because we have a dry system. Uh, that actually fills with water since we're kind of which we're, what we're dealing with now is trying to still empty that thing out as it still trickles down. That's what we're dealing with here in the winter. Uh, that system filled, and so we have to always get that all those drains and everything drained out of the deal. And so that's what we spent the whole time doing was emptying that whole deal, that whole system out. And what happened in the closet on the press box level here that I think the public missed, fortunately, but you guys did not. Well, I, I, some, one of you guys is with me, or I can't remember who it was. We were down below, uh, right by gate B. Was that you, Josh? Yeah, I was out in left field, currently draining from what happened earlier in the day. And then I ended up getting a call from an entrance saying, you need to get up to the third floor right now. And I just remember walking up there, and it was already ankle-high water in the hallway of the third-level suites here. And I just remember Dustin being, like, knee-high in water in a utility closet trying to get the cap back on because it... Well, by gate B, as I walked up, there's water just pouring out of the ceiling up there. And I, what in the heck's going on here? Yeah. And uh, I knew I'd sent one of our, our, our employees up there to, to check on something, and, and we're still emptying that system down. So it had been a simple little thing. Well, she got confused and took off the wrong wrong thing and, and took a cap off a live pipe, a pretty big pipe. And, I mean, it was, water was 
coming out of there like you couldn't believe. And, and so when we get up there, I look in this little kind of an enclosed closet. It's kind of a cubby hole inside of a, a storage closet. Uh, and then so you get in there and yeah it's knee-deep water in that in place and so I get in there and I'm thinking I'm gonna try to we're trying to get the Dustin's up in the ceiling trying to find the shut off for this and everybody's panicking there's water pouring everywhere and and uh, so I get in there thinking I'm gonna just push this cap and I'll be able to to force this thing in brute strength and try to turn that deal on there and there was no chance water's blowing up right in my face in my nose eyes and mouth and and Dustin goes up, up, uh, up high in the ceiling. Can hear me down there. <laughs> Sounds like I'm, I'm drowning. I basically was basically getting waterboarded, and so I'd have to come up for air a little bit, come back down, and try to twist that thing on. There's no chance of that ever happened. I don't know why I thought I could do that, but uh, we eventually got the. He found the shut off, didn't he? Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. We eventually up, got it up shut in off. the up in the ceiling. Dustin's crawling around in the dark ceiling looking for a a shutoff valve is till he's getting waterboarded and we just hear the the gurgles coming below us from the closet Ooh, is it <laughs> off Ooh. he's he's getting blasted with water as the water continues to rise in the closet i will say there was there was one time i thought i had that thing where i just had to get turned just a little bit and i might have had it <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> that's probably wishful thinking probably more than likely but oh shoot yeah that was a I probably said a few things my mom wouldn't be too proud of. She listened to this. I, I said a few loudly too, so other people could hear it. I think <laughs> it's a stressful situation sometimes. <laughs> Those words come out, I suppose. Well, the good news is we can laugh about it now. Yeah, yeah. And when you got people doing flips on motorcycles out on the field, and a couple of extra fire trucks shows up, nobody thinks twice about it <laughs> of what was what was happening. And that's the beauty of what you guys do is all that can be going on. And I, I would bet good money that no one who bought a ticket to that event had any idea what was happening uh, during that. And that's a, a credit to you guys and, and why you guys are so great at what, at what you do. Uh, I'm Randy Wayhofer. I'm talking with Jeff Tilley, Andrew Quillen, and Josh Stevens. And uh, we are, uh, this is Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast reflecting on stadium operations and some of the things uh, from last fall and, and getting the stadium ready. One of the other fun off-season stuff, I, I know you like to channel your inner Clark Griswold, uh, Jeff, one of your favorite movies of all time, and, and lighting the stadium for the holidays and the Christmas lights and the, and the trees. How many bulbs do we have out there, and, and how big a project is that? Gosh, I don't know. To talk like Clark W. Griswold, we got about <laughs> five strands or six strands of 150 watt or 150 bulbs apiece on, uh, what, 30 trees? Yeah, around there for somewhere sure. like that yeah, yeah. plus what's on yeah. the field and yeah so i don't know that might be in there might be more than 30 trees to be honest so somebody have to do the math on that i'm not very good at that but uh yeah we there's a lot of them it takes a long time heck they're still in the trees now we could plug them in right now and they'd probably we could light the place up if we wanted so once once the snow clears out we're able to get a lift and some people out there and weather clears up a little bit well that's another thing we need to do is pull those uh, lights out of the trees but that's far down our priority list is it's if we get time we'll do that and sometimes it's middle of april after the season's already started that we get those things out one of the few good things about leaving work after it's already dark in the winter time is having those lights on when you get in your car and, and leave and i know that uh, that uh, people appreciate it and i can vouch for the fact that they use more cords than clark w griswold that we don't have 19 things plugged into one one power strip for those lights Oh, there's cords laying everywhere out there, though. There's a, so we don't have things multi-plugged into one spot, but, man, we have cords laying all over the place. But 
I wanted to wrap up with you guys today and talk a little bit about staffing. All three of you are former Iowa Cubs interns before you came, became full-time members of the, of the staff. Uh, and, and certainly your intern staff is a really important part of how you guys are able to accomplish all the things that uh, you accomplish. So uh, what, what are, uh, uh, how many people do you guys usually bring on in your department every summer? And, and uh, what are some tips that you would give uh, people who would want to be part of the fun of stadium operations and how and when to apply and, and, and what are the things that they could expect? This year, right now, we have 25, I believe, and we may even go up to 30 just to kind of, because we're thinking we may have to uh, get some people out in parking quite a, a lot. So if there's anybody out there interested in parking jobs, we, we have those available, and even ushers as well. So, uh, but, uh, so we'll, we'll be 25 to 30. And a lot of times, some people, they'll find a job, and, and you lose a couple, or somebody quits. They don't like the hours, or they didn't think the job was what it was, what they thought that going into it. And so we lose a few people. So it's nice to have a few spares, too. Um, just for, for emergency, I guess, to have to put people in parking if we have to or have them usher, let alone you know, all the rest of the things that they have to do. Uh, typically, we have, most of the people start applying. I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm still getting applications right now for this year, um, which is a good thing. Um, most of the time, we like to do it in September and October. Yep. Yeah, we usually, around October is usually when we start kind of gathering resumes. It's usually when we kind of see them and then uh, kind of start that interview process before Christmas and try to have it wrapped up, you know, in that first couple of weeks of, of January as far as the internship uh, staff goes. And then some of our seasonal staff, we, we push closer to opening day. So kind of that's what we're starting right now in February and into March, uh, bringing on ushers and first aid and parking and, and kind of all those other positions. And, and those, you know, really vary in staff from, high school kids looking for their first summer job to retirees that are, are looking for something fun to do on the side. Um, and, you know, we can have anywhere from 100 to, to 150 seasonal employees kind of uh, in our department in various facets um, throughout the ballpark. What was the most fun part of your internship experience, Josh, that uh, you stuck around so long until we hired you? I would definitely say a big thing for me was definitely the culture here. Um, definitely a fun place to work and the people I'm around every day it's always fun so definitely a family type atmosphere here working um, but just honestly just the day-to-day -day job every day is kind of different I enjoy being outside uh, just being around the ballpark and I enjoy the fan engagement when the gates open and kind of learning people's stories and why they enjoy baseball like we all do as well you know the good stories that we tell on the podcast like the Nitro Circus leak you know that those are those are not typical days uh, in the operation. Tell people about the the fun stuff that we count on because you guys are the ones that execute the in-game promotions and your staff. You know that it's not just about maintenance and cleaning. That you guys are a, a, an essential part of of the promotions. We know Jeff from the Fun Gun um, and the world famous uh, Fun Gun, but uh, there's a lot of other fun stuff that goes along with it too. Yeah, we like to. As, as we interview interns, we like to kind of tell them that they're the, the front lines of customer service. They get to be out and interacting with the fans and, and having fun. You know, obviously a lot of the hard work comes at 6 in the morning or 11 at night, but whenever gates are open, that's when whenever you can see the interns get a little extra hop in their step after a long day and they get to interact and, and have fun handing out the promotions at the gates or rounding up kids to do the Bebop's Burger Race or, or – 
you know, stuff like that. That's what, you know, a lot of them would probably consider the, the fun part of the job. Um, you know, for me, it's always been from the time I was an intern till now, one of my favorite things to do is, is find a stray ball. And, you know, after working here for quite a while, you can tell when it's somebody's first trip to the ballpark. Um, so grabbing a, a ball and going and giving it to a little boy or girl, you know, and seeing how that they light up. And, and a lot of times it's the parents that light up even more. And so that's what kind of makes our time here all worth it and what, what makes it fun. Well, uh, you guys are an, an essential part of what we do. Uh, I appreciate uh, the work you do and the people you are. Uh, and that goes for the entire staff. Uh, give you go back around the table for any parting shots. Josh, any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the unwritten rules diehard audience? Um, I just, yeah, Principal Park's a great place. Um, it's always fun to see this place full with baseball and always happy to see uh, summer come, come around and enjoy baseball here in Des Moines. The only guy who can go by just one letter on the staff, Q, what any, uh, you know, some people could go by just one name. He goes by just one letter. There's a, there's a lot of people here who, if somebody sends them to see Andrew, they won't know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's probably a lot of people at the city of Des Moines who only know me as Q as well, because <laughs> that's usually how Sam introduces me to, to people. Um, no, we're, we're looking forward to hopefully welcoming fans back, you know, in, in a full capacity. Last year, we obviously had some hurdles that we we jumped through, and we appreciate everybody's patience and, and supporting us through the, the tough couple years that we've had. And, um, you know, welcoming the fans back to the ballpark, it was exciting, and, and we look forward to, to doing that again here this spring. Tilly? Well, I was just gonna. I just looked out there to make sure it wasn't lying, but you can actually see grass out in the field now. And then uh, I also mentioned that part of the warning track was dry, and we were able to drive drive a hoot sixty foot lift out there to do that that sign. So things are coming around, and once you start seeing that grass, I mean, I know we have some nice weather coming up, but that field's gonna be look like it's play ready here in about three weeks. I'm guessing if weather holds for us, but uh, it's those things are getting ramped up and kind of exciting. This is kind of early for us to get out there, kind of working on signs. Yeah, we're just making hay while the sun's shining, so we'll have the place ready to go when it, when it comes uh, April, uh, first game there. So, Jeff Tilly, Andrew Quillen, Josh Stevens, thanks for your time today. We missed out on Dustin because he's got laryngitis. I think he just chickened out of being on the podcast. He's, <laughs> he's, 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 he was my radio producer for a long time before we got him in the stadium operations. He'd rather do what Justin's doing than what we're doing anyway. So uh, we'll, we'll get him on here uh, sometime. Uh, I won't keep you from uh, doing all your work any longer. Thanks for sharing some stories and, and some fun. And uh, I, I know people will be interested in, in this and we'll, we'll have more stories to tell again, I'm sure. All right, thank you, Randy, appreciate it. Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. Uh, look for new episodes uh, throughout the season. This is season two of uh, the podcast uh, and we're looking forward to a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Check out iowacubs.com for everything you need to know about Iowa Cubs baseball.